Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out in the Best Coast Boys Podcast. Landon, did you watch the game last night? What did you think? I did. It was a great game. Uh, I was, de- I mean, full disclosure, I was definitely 100% uh, rooting for LSU because my father-in-law played there, and so he was he was super excited. So my 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 in-laws are all LSU alums, so I had to by proxy root for them. But I, I, having said that, I, I kind of watching them all all year, kind of just casually because of that. Uh, this has been one of the funnest teams to follow in college football it really has in, been, in recent yeah. memory, man. I mean, just everything about the quarterback, the coach. The story, all of it. It's it was really quite a magical year for LSU. Congratulations! Uh, yeah, and if you were watching it for the NFL draft purposes, man, there was a lot of talent on that field last night. Uh, we were bit. having a <laughs> we were having a conversation about Grant Delpit, who we've talked about on this podcast actually yesterday uh, about a potential pick for Dallas at seventeen. And man, he was all over the field. I think the most impressive player outside of Joe Burrow was Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker mm. for uh, Clemson. Uh, man, he's somebody I really, really hope doesn't end up in the Cowboys division because uh, his performance on, uh, on that side of the ball was incredible yesterday. But before we get into questions, any big takeaways from that game? Uh, well, I definitely concur about Isaiah Simmons. Any any defensive coordinator that can't figure out what to do with that guy because he plays a bunch of positions needs to just be fired, frankly. Oh, I agree, yeah. Uh, he, he's he's unbelievable. I, I, yeah, Delpit was amazing. I mean, just great range of the back end, uh, caused a fumble with a hit with a – Perfect form tackle had another really beautiful hit on a on a receiver that was absolutely clean. It, it hurt him a bit, a little bit, but it, the other player, but it was an absolutely clean and very difficult hit. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just I really like Delpit's game. He's incredibly versatile and, and looks like he can make plays in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, we're gonna have some fun discussions over the next couple months about Delpit. Uh, Kristen Fulton was the cornerback uh, for LSU last night, number one. Uh, he had you know kind of a hit and miss game. He'll be yeah. at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Simmons, obviously, the, the, the pass rusher for, uh, LSU. I think it's Klesson or Kayvon Lesson or whatever it is. I mean, yep. he was, he was, he was phenomenal. So, uh, a lot of fun draft talk coming up, but today we are going to answer your Twitter questions. Uh, and let's go ahead and get right into it. The first one comes from at the real DLO22. Uh, what is the impact of losing strength and conditioning coach Mike Oyshek? Uh, he's been with the Cowboys for a long time. Uh, he was with, I believe, Parcells in the early 90s. Um, how big of a loss is that for the Cowboys? You know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's tough to say. I mean, was this a situation where he's retiring because McCarthy wants to bring in his own guy and they're kind of, you know, nodding him out the door? I don't know. I mean, there's been... It kind of felt like that way, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it feels like... It, you know, it's tough. It's tough to really kind of gauge these guys from an outside point of view. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that you've seen a lot of success of guys getting stronger uh, 
in the program that he's been in, in, in charge of. And, and, and to be clear, like this is not the same thing as the training group that you know gets the players back on the field after injuries or correct. You know, yeah. this is a different group. So uh, this is really just about you know the off season improvements, the the you know the the strength improvement, the flexibility improvements that may that happen in the off season program, the maintaining of that strength throughout the season. Those those are the things that the strength and conditioning coaches do. Um, and, you know, that's really kind of a difficult thing to parse from team to team. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I yeah. think yeah. Oh, you, you know when you see a bad one when teams don't develop, but it's, but I feel like as far as, you know, there's a, there's a level of team that has a, a, a good, I would say kind of good, the good programs in the NFL, uh, where their players get in and if they work, they, they improve. And Dallas has had one of those, um, and they, but I feel like they've also had one since before Weissett came into. It's correct. Yep. So I, I, I think that yes, he, because he has so much you know experience and all that all this sort of thing, there is a loss. But at the same time, I, I have a feeling that there there is no shortage of these guys who can get these guys uh, these NFL players stronger. I, I don't think, and I think that the Cowboys will not be afraid to spend some money here. Maybe even use more of an analytics angle on on on, on who they yes, get. Yes, exactly. Yep. And and, and 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 be able to replace him without too much trouble. Uh, I talked to somebody yesterday in the Cowboys organization about Wojciech once I found out that he was leaving, um, and they said that a lot of the offensive linemen are excited about potentially a new strength and conditioning coach just because what Wojciech yeah. did was a lot of heavy lifting, uh, which was hard on some of these uh, back injuries for, for these offensive linemen. It would not surprise me at all if the Cowboys tried to be Try to get a little younger, a little bit more uh, in the, like you mentioned, the analytics into lifting and developing players. Uh, I think Wojciech is good. I'm just wondering if there's not He's a better school. fit out there. Yeah, He's very and, old school. You know, I mean, right. like there, there's, he, he was winning Super Bowls with the Cowboys in the '90s, and, and think about even in the '90s, those Cowboys teams were old school for the '90s. You know, like this, their, right. their thought, their thought process, the way they did it. Jimmy Johnson is one of the. The last of kind of a, of an era to a certain degree, you know, of those kind of kill your players in the off season coaches, you know. Yeah, I agree. It, it's just something that we're gonna have to to watch and monitor. I'm curious to see who the Cowboys bring in, um, but I, I do feel like I've heard there's some excitement now in the Cowboys locker room with some of these younger guys about a new uh, conditioning coach. Um, let's go ahead and get to another question, Landon. Uh, this one comes from uh, at Chandler Johnson. Um, I know it's really early, but trading up is always an option for Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. Is there a player you could see the Cowboys moving up for in this draft? Again, we're just starting our film watching, um, but through some of the guys that you've seen so far in film or watched through the year, is there anybody that you think that you would move up for? I mean, I'm very biased, but... I like who you're going with here. If, I like if it. Derek Brown fell further than, yeah. like, 10... I'm getting yeah. on the phone, man. Like it's just too much of a fit of what you need. Uh, and, and again, I think that I think he can. I think Derek Brown can play whatever you need. I, I think he played defensive end in a four three. I, 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 he's unbelievable. And I, I think that. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I would. I would pull the trigger. Seriously, if he gets past ten, the Cowboys should get on the phone because I, I do agree. It's yeah. just too much of a match of what you need. And and again. It, this is one of those situations where I'm not going to have to hedge depending on who, what our defensive coordinators 
plan looks like. We don't really know what our defense is going to look like necessarily, but it doesn't matter. Like if you're if you if you're having two gap elements, if you're not, Derek Brown is a guy that I would I would target if he if he fell out of the out of the top ten and there's a way to get up there. Uh, yeah, I would. I mean, frankly, I would. I would maybe give up my two to get up and get go get him. Like I, 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 or I would think about it, just because I think he has. There's not a lot of these guys that are as good as him. they're nearly at his level uh, at no. a position of need like that you need. So I, I would, I would at least think about it, uh, but I would see what they'd want and kick the tires for sure. So I'm one of these people that always looks at uh, tackle for a loss production to kind of tell yeah. you where a player could be. Um, over the last two years, uh, Derek Brown had 22 tackles for loss, which isn't an outstanding number. But when you compare that to every defensive tackle that's over 310 pounds coming into the NFL, so you're, again, you're talking about some of the bigger guys. He's number one. No, no player in the last decade has had more tackles for loss or sacks than Derek Brown. So you compare him to, you know, somebody like Dexter Lawrence, who went 17 last year. And he blows his production out of the water, or a Vita Vea, or a Danny Shelton. He, he's a far better player than any of those guys. He's actually a little bit. If, if you look at the numbers, close to like Nick Fairley, who came out of Auburn mm-hmm. uh, a while ago. And if you could get that level of player on this defense with Demarcus Lawrence, maybe a Robert Quinn back, uh, that's a guy that I'm extremely interested in. Um, I'd also mention Isaiah Simmons. I don't necessarily know where you play him in this defense, but I don't care. He's just such a good football player that I'm trusting Mike Nolan would be able to find a spot to, to utilize his skill set. And let me, uh, yeah, go, he's just fantastic. And let me just tell you, like the the, the not only is Derek Brown the situ- a situation where you can I can say you draft him right now, it doesn't really matter which way they they go with Nolan. This is the kind of guy that you draft so that you can go either four three yes, or three four. Absolutely. Three, four. This point. is the kind of guy that you put in there and he could be like Red Bryant was in the old Seattle offenses where he could play three technique, he could play one technique, you could put him at defensive end and let him two gap. And yeah. then suddenly you've got a, a whole variety of things you could do a, a, across the line where you're one gapping everybody else and then this dude's just eliminating two gaps all by himself. So uh, yeah, I think that a guy like this provides you uh, the kind of flexibility that I think that Nolan is looking for along his front seven uh, that, you know, again, when people are talking about one gap versus two gap, four, three versus three, four, I don't think you're necessarily thinking of it like that. Think about using some two gaps principles on one side of the, of the defensive line and then one gap principles on the other side of the defensive line and how mm-hmm. that frees up other players to do other things. I, I agree. Derek Brown is one of those guys where, if he falls out of the top seven or eight, that's when I'm starting to check the math to see how far up I have to go and what it costs me because he's a he's just a game record. I think he'd be perfect for this Cowboys defense. Um, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll answer some more questions. All right, Landon, this next one comes from Connor. Uh, how do you think McCarthy will use uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard? I know there's been some discussion out there that um, you know over the last couple of years when McCarthy was in Green Bay – we, he used some two running back sets. He used some shotgun with a fullback and a running back. Um, he doesn't necessarily have to have a tight end on the field. Do you think we'll see more pony sets of Pollard and Zeke on the field at the same time? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that will – I think that that's something that is going to be uh, specifically worked out to be done. I, I don't know that, like, if 
if we didn't have a Tony Pollard type situation here, that he was necessarily going to feel Bring the need over. to go out yeah. and go find that guy to fill that. It's not like it's a hole in his offense that needs to be filled. I, but I think that McCarthy recognizes what he has with these two guys and has and has a level of ability to use players like this. I, you know, I think that. Um, I think we all need to remind ourselves who Randall Cobb was coming out of college, you know, yeah. and and and, yeah. and like and some of these other players where they really used him as they used Cobb as a running back for the first two years of his career. Yeah, it was and, really the only time he was on the field. And, and the re- and, and just just in case people forget, he was a quarterback in, in college, mm-hmm. not not just like in high school, but like you know his right. his value was is having the hands his hands on the ball, but but he was not necessarily. A receiver by any stretch of the imagination, and even running back was a step away from where, what he was doing in college. My point being is that you know you look at that, you look at uh, uh, oh, I'm completely blanking on the running back turned wide wide receiver turned running back that they just went Ty through. Montgomery. Ty Montgomery. Uh, yep. You know they've they've got that sort of I thought process of taking players with skill sets and not really being concerned about position and 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 putting them in position no, position to to. To you know, affect the game, to have have production, to do things like reverses and uh, uh, get the ball in their hands and, and and create for them. Whether that's you know in a two back set at the same time, which I'm sure they'll find ways to do that. I'm I'm sure uh, Kellen Moore will bring some of that into the offense, or or if that's just having that player line up, even though he's a running back, line up in the slot and, and run a route. You know, uh, I, I think that that's those are all things to. Uh, uh, That'll that'll be in play with this. I, I don't know that necessarily we're gonna you know base offense is gonna be you know twenty personnel with Pollard and, and Zeke. I think right. you, you will see it though. This is what I'm hoping with McCarthy that he sees what kind of talent he has and he doesn't try to fit or force players onto the field. If he doesn't think he has a good tight end, go ahead and just play Pollard more and play three receivers and two running backs. If he if he thinks that you know this team doesn't have enough receivers, find a different you know. A, Personnel grouping. I have, I do have faith in McCarthy to use these pieces to their full potential, where I haven't necessarily felt that way over the last couple of years. So I am curious to see how they use Pollard. I do think, you know, because of Zeke's versatility as a blocker, uh, as a receiver, you can do a lot of different fun things. You can have him as a lead blocker. You can split him out wide, and, mm-hmm. and it's going to work. So uh, I'm, I am getting a little bit optimistic to see how he how he uses some of these pieces. Um, Landon, this next one comes from Bryce. Is the analytics talk from Mike McCarthy real or a farce? I know there's been people on Twitter, you know, kind of picking apart some of the things he said, uh, specifically about the running game and uh, play action. Um, do you think he did this just for a PR stunt to make sure you get hired? Do you, or do you really believe that McCarthy is going to embrace analytics uh, with the Dallas Cowboys? You know, I mean, like most things with people and their opinions, it, it's not binary. It's not, you know, he hates the analytics or he lo- he only listens to analytics. It's 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 on a scale. Uh, it's on. A, it feels like he's more open to it than he was in the past, yeah, and that's yeah. really more what I wanted to hear. And, and and to be honest, like even before, like there's talk about dinosaur talk, you know, and even before he was. Very forward thinking about, you know, fourth downs and, 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 and that sort of thing. He comes, he does come from a world of, of, you know, of analytics as a, as a, as a, uh, offensive, former offensive quality control coach. You know, I, I think he embraces elements of it for sure. I, I, I just don't know 
how much and, and if it's to the extent that everybody wants him to. And, and again, I also don't know that we know yet exactly how, how much more analytics has been injected into his, his process, right? Like, because right, like right. we just haven't, you know, we haven't seen everything about it. And just because he may not feel X way about play action, uh, you know, again, I also think that we need to remind ourselves that every not everything that happened at the end of his tenure in Green Bay was completely in his control. Even right. though he Aaron was the Rogers, Aaron Rodgers hated play action. Aaron Rodgers hated play action. You know, I, Ted Ted you know Ted Thompson was running the show as far as you know personnel decisions a lot of times. I think that we need to be able to kind of look back at that situation with McCarthy. And try our best to kind of parse out what did he have control? What did he do with what he had control over? You know, and not just, and not just take it as a whole that every decision that made by Green Bay between, you know, 2010 and 2017 was a Mike Mike McCarthy decision. You know what I'm saying? Like there needs to be a little bit of parsing there. And I I think that, you know, and, and on top of that, even then, since then, McCarthy has evolved. So I think this is something that we're going to we're going to learn a little bit more as the process goes out. But I will say this, and I've rambled a lot, but I will say this: I, I think that his talk about application. If you've listened to me talk about analytics, the, this whole his whole conversation about how important it is to apply th- this information, I think that is the most important uh, glue point between the the nerds. Uh, shout out to Daniel. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and the football guys, right? Is 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 the understanding where where the two worlds meet, and understanding that this is where these points here are where the rubber hit meets the road, and that it's the analytics applied properly really can help you. But if you don't apply them properly, then they can be just like any other tool. You can they can be wielded against yourself. You can use them improperly, and they can hurt you. So. Application, I think him him stressing application to me uh, is is a very steady hand in a lot of the, the analytics you know adaption into into the NFL. All right, so really quickly, I'll just give you my thoughts on where we stand with Mike McCarthy in analytics. I'm not so sure on game day it's going to look all that different than what we saw uh, in Green Bay. Uh, I think by nature, McCarthy is somebody who likes to pass the ball first. If you look at the, the passing rates on first and second down and like on second and 10 when McCarthy was in Green Bay, they he's were a, already – He's a West Coast guy. Lead. You know, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're going to throw, throw the ball. The ball. Yeah. Right. They're not going to run it just to run it. Um, where I think McCarthy is going to use more analytics than he did in the past is during the week, right? Maybe not on Sunday, but during the game planning throughout the week. I think you'll see – uh, how they design their scheme and how they design certain things on defense. I think that's where you'll see the team maybe dive into the analytics more where it's not necessarily something we see, okay, or not something that we can measure, you know, during the game using EPA or anything like that. I think it'll be more helping this team design ways to win the game. Um, that's where I feel pretty confident that he's evolved. And I think, you know, I think that's going to translate in, you know, in the long run to a, a more consistent and better team. So um, I, I know, again, I know people are picking him apart because he said that you need to run the ball to keep defenses honest. I, I think there's a part of that that's still true. I, I think if you can, if you have a good rushing attack, I think it, you, you're more open to have bigger plays and play action. 
Um, but we'll we'll see. I, I'm still optimistic about. Uh, is Mark there Matthew. is there any coach out there that has actually? I mean, we've talked about it with the nerds, but is there any coach that's actually been brave, quote unquote, brave enough to go to a hundred percent passing game yet? No, no. So, no. so McCarthy is in the same scale as every other coach in the NFL at this point, right? I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the closest would be maybe Kansas City, but even Andy Reid will run it when he needs to, yes, and when it's beneficial. So, I think we're going to get closer to that than you know somebody like you know the high school football coach that never punts and goes for it on every fourth Kelly. down. I, I don't. Yeah. We're still a long ways from that. Yeah. Um, let's take one more break. We'll come back and answer a few more questions. Um, Landon, this next one comes from at Upper Deck 08. He says, Amari Cooper, could letting him walk be okay? Uh, and I think this is becoming a uh, a newer thought for Cowboy fans, potentially letting Amari walk, maybe bringing back Byron Jones and Robert Quinn and drafting a receiver at 17. Is that something you would be open to? No. Not okay. at this – Well, I'm good. I agree. And, and let me tell you why. Because you don't hire Mike McCarthy to come in for a reload season and then give away the best route runner in maybe the NFL – like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you bring in Mike McCarthy, who runs a West Coast type offense, uh, and you, you pair him with, you have one of the better route runners in, in, in football here, and, and you're gonna, t- you're gonna, you're gonna get, get rid of that? No. No, he, sp- I was gonna say, Amari feels like a perfect fit for Mike McCarthy's exactly, offense, right? Exactly. I mean, like, you almost couldn't build a better receiver for his offense. Exactly. He's a, he's a, he's a cerebral guy. He under and that's what you need a route runner who can think on the run, who can who can who understands when he's running a, a, a shallow cross, who understands where the windows are in this because he's because he's running against zone, who understands that he's running who's uh, he's is, this guy is is uh, is playing man coverage against him, so now he's got to run away from the guy and he doesn't need to worry about the windows. This that's who this kid is, and, and so to give him away. Uh, is I think would be especially after all that. I mean, I understand that there's an investment, you know, a sunk cost fallacy here. But especially after after you know trading a first round and everything you've gotten out of him, there's no reason. That, like, what's what's the point? You, no, you're, I agree. You're going to go out there and try to draft a guy that, to be as good as as Amari Cooper? Like, yeah. you've got him. He's young. He's talented. He likes it here. You've got a coach where it's going to fit. Don't 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 mess this up, Dallas. Yeah. I... I'm always one that you pay your offensive stars just because it's more consistent from year to year. I still want the Cowboys to bring back Byron Jones. I think that would make sense. But I don't think it's an either-or situation. I think you can figure it out. Uh, Amari's just too special of a player uh, to let go in free agency, especially after giving up a first-round pick last year. You, you, you can't do that. And I don't imagine that the Cowboys are going to do that either. Um, I, I think if I had to guess the plan is to sign Amari, keep Michael Gallup for the next two years, and maybe let him walk, Maybe next year is a year that you draft a receiver in case that happens. Maybe you franchise Gallup when you get to that point. But no, I'm not letting Amari Cooper, who you know has been back-to-back thousand-yard season for the Cowboys, and, uh, leave in free agency. And real quick, I, I to me with no Chris Richard, I am now more hesitant about re-signing Byron Jones than I was before. You know what you I'm are. saying? Yes, I am because oh, see, I disagree. Okay, go ahead. Well, I, I, it's not that I'm saying no. But I, I, the the sheen is off it to a certain degree because I don't know how much of what was going on with Byron Jones is associated with Chris Richard and his techniques. And if we get a different, it's just the same. Th- it's the same angle as I had before, where 
you know, last year or earlier in the season when we talked about re-signing Byron Jones. If Byron Jones, then we were talking about it in the context of Chris Richard going off and of being signed as a head coach. If he had gone somewhere and been Jeez, a head that coach, so somewhere, long ago. I know it, it, well, it is so long. But my my stance hasn't changed though. If if Chris Richard's not here, I, I'm a, that adds uh, a certain amount of unknown to Byron Jones that doesn't exactly make me more comfortable signing him to some huge long-term contract, right? Because I don't know how much of what's been going on these last few years has been about Chris uh, Chris Richard's system and Byron Jones meeting together, meaning if a new system comes in here and he's asked to do things that are different, is he going to be valued at the same amount that I just paid him all this money for? Yeah, I will. Uh, here's my counter-argument for that. Byron is one of these players that I think – you have to resign for a couple different reasons. First of all, the character—he has outstanding character, right? He—he's the kind of guy that you want in your locker room, right? He's a leader. He's super smart. He has position flex. He's intelligent. Um, I know he doesn't get a lot of turnovers, and that's why a lot of people are down on him. But uh, I think when you look at him, he's still a young player. He's super durable. I think he's missed what one game his entire career. Those are the players that I want to keep around my team. I'll find other ways to, you know, find if I, if I have to let Robert Quinn go, if I have to let Michael Bennett and Malik Collins go, I will leave. I will, I, I'm, I'm fine letting those guys go to keep somebody of the caliber and the talent level of Byron Jones. I, I know the Chris Richard effect uh, certainly helped his development, um, but I have faith that in Mike Nolan that he can find a spot for Byron Jones to thrive. Yeah, and. You know, look, that's just a matter of opinion. I, 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 I'm, like I said, I'm not completely against re-signing him. I just, I think it, it makes me uneasy because uh, the, the elements that made him suddenly successful aren't, aren't there, and now I'm giving him money and then taking away those elements. But I, 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 right. I look, I, it's, you know, it's yeah. all opinion. It's a, it's a gamble. Man, that, it does feel like Byron's going to be let go. There's so many teams out there that need cornerbacks that it would not shock me to see him get fifteen, sixteen million dollars a year. And the Cowboys just say, you know what, we can't do that. Uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, I certainly hope it doesn't happen. Um, our last question, Landon, uh, how do you guys feel about the coaching staff now? We're you know, about a week into some of his hiring, or Mike McCarthy's hirings. Uh, how do you feel about the staff as a whole? Uh, yeah, I think so far so good. Um, you know, we, we still have, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of unanswered questions, um, even with uh, even with the staff that's been hired. You know, I think with 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 like specifically with Nolan, you you understand who he is and his history, but he's had kind of a a a, a lot of uh, a variety in his in his scheme. So it's it's kind of tough to parse exactly what you're getting out of the scheme. So that makes it difficult to kind of get a good strong feeling on. At least the whole defensive side of the ball, right? Which you know, sure. is obviously a large portion of this. I think on the offensive side of the ball, I, I like what I've seen. I mean, he's assembling a team of of uh, experienced uh, coaches uh, and you know keeping a good mix of 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 you know guys in place to keep to uh, kind of tra- help a smooth transition between systems. Um, you know, I'm excited about what's. I think what's going on on the offensive side of the ball. I'm very. My interest is very peaked on the the blending of Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy and what that could produce. 
And then, like I said, on the defensive side, it's it's kind of difficult because I just don't really know what we're getting. I, I love that we got Jim Tomsula. I think that's a fantastic hire. That gives me a lot of hope for the defensive line. Mm. But I don't know what it means. So I, I think if we I need some more information here, yeah, it feels I, like we still we, we're still a couple of weeks away from finding out what this defense is actually going to look like. Absolutely, that's I think that's where I'm at at this point. Is it's with the defense, it's a huge unknown. And with the offense, I know a little bit more, and, and what I know about intrigues me. I even feel the same about the offensive side of the ball, because we still don't know, is Kellen Moore calling plays? Who's designing the offense? Yep. Is Mike McCarthy going to design the offense, and Kellen Moore is then going to call plays? Um, I, I think we still have a lot to learn about this team. But overall, I feel I feel better about this coaching staff than I have in a long time compared to other teams, you know, other staffs. Uh, just because I think a lot of the pieces make sense. I think it's nice that McCarthy has actually chosen his own staff rather than having coaches forced on him. Uh, so I think, you know, I, I feel good about what we have so far entering the 2020 season. Uh, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you rate and review us. Give us players you want us to watch, questions. Again, I look every single day at some of those. I'll answer them on Twitter. We'll answer them on the podcast. Make sure you guys are doing that. Follow Landon on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you next time.